Beautiful Not Broken, your weekly inspirational hit of solid advice and life stories coming to you to help you rebuild from rock bottom. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Beautiful Not Broken. It is so good to have you here with me today. How are you going? How's your week? What's happening? I know that this episode is probably dropping on, well, I know that it's dropping on a Tuesday, but you know, you could be listening to it whenever. So I hope that the week's going well, the month's going well, and life's going well. And you know, maybe if you're feeling a little bit broken that we can try and help you walk away from today's episode a little bit more inspired and ready to take on the challenge that you're facing at the moment. I wanted to come to you today with something pretty raw uh, which, you know, I think is not a shock for you. If you've been listening to the last few episodes, I'm very, very open about what I've gone through and the feelings that I've had and how I've overcome the challenges that I've needed to overcome. And the thing today is the regrets that we're holding on to. So when it comes to grief or any kind of loss or any catastrophic catalyst for change in our life, we're going to have regrets And we're going to have things that we wish we'd done differently and last conversations that we wish we'd had or things that we wish we could have changed, especially in those first few months when everything's very, very raw, we're completely emotionally charged, whether it be sadness, anger, all of the seven stages of grief in the one minute, which no one warns you about, right? They tell you that you go through these stages. It's like no one tells you that you go through those stages every single day or, you know, tens, it's just ridiculous how often you can go through those stages or how your mood can change, especially in those first weeks, months, I would say the first year, because we're on a journey. We're figuring out what life looks like now without the person and our whole world has been shifted. We had this one reality, one minute, and then even if it was, say, three years of cancer, We still, we knew that the day was coming, but we weren't prepared for it. No one's preparing for these things. You can have as many conversations as you want to prepare. You can do all of the work, but you still don't know what the reality on the other side of it looks like and how life looks once they're not there. You actually can't, you can try and visualize it. You can try and imagine it, but it's always going to be shocking. You're never, ever prepared for it. Trust me. I I, like, I hate to be bringing that news if you're, going through, I guess, the period before you lose someone, but it's probably better that you hear this now so that you don't feel horrible for not being prepared or for being shocked. It might even sometimes be a relief and then you feel guilty for feeling relieved. But if you've seen someone in pain, you don't want them to suffer. As much as you want them to stay on the planet and you want them to be here and you want them to be in your world, sometimes blessing them and letting them go and knowing they're no longer in pain and then they're wherever you whatever your belief is they're in that next stage or you know maybe you don't have a belief and that's also cool I'm not here to tell you about that stuff I know for example when we lost my grandma which was only a couple of years ago it was a relief she was a hundred 104 months. She literally lived to 100 to get her letter from the Queen. She was an amazing woman, the most positive person in the whole nursing home, but hadn't been out of bed for years. And I know that 
it was nice to know that she'd gone to the next place or whatever it is once again that you believe and that she'd had an awesome life. She'd had a hundred years and four months. And she literally waited for that letter for the Queen. We had an awesome hundredth for her. She knew it was a hundredth. She was with us enough. She wasn't um she didn't have dementia or anything like that. Maybe a little bit. Um, but she was, yeah, she was pretty lively. It was just her body had given out, she said, because she did too much tennis and too much exercise. So in that kind of instance, I guess when they're a lot older, it's still a shock though and it's still you're still going to have regrets. For me, the regret when my grandma passed away was that I hadn't got to see her that Christmas um, because of, you know, we were running around with so many different family things at that point because my ex had a huge family um, and I didn't want to miss seeing my family. It just ended up being a bit of a shit fight as Christmas is because everyone wants to see you on Christmas Day because God helped that someone should have to not see their child and everyone knows what Christmas is like, right? And yeah, so that was that regret. But I want to go into other kind of regrets because I think it's really easy to get, you know, what if I'd done this or what if I'd said that and, you know, would it have changed the outcome? And the answer is no. And the answer is, especially with someone that's passed, we can't hold on to things we didn't say or questions we didn't ask because it's actually not helpful to us to do that. It just harms us and we need to be at peace with knowing that we always tried our hardest with them or, you know, maybe if you had lost touch before they passed or whatever it was, you can't have changed that outcome. You can't have changed that reality. It is what it is and stressing over it and rehashing it and thinking if I'd done this or done that, it's not helpful. And I know this because I did it for years. My dad was diagnosed in December as you know, and he was gone by January. The December before he was diagnosed in September, his birthday was September, and obviously Father's Day is in September. I'd been in Europe in September, and I'd missed both his birthday and his father's and Father's Day. I wish I had known, obviously, that he was not going to be with us that December, and I carried that for a long time. I thought, well, I missed my dad's last birthday, and that's shit. And I thought about it all the time. And then I'm like, well, I didn't just miss his birthday, I missed Father's Day. And I'll never forget the phone call, though. Like, so I called him on his birthday from – and, like, there were no iPhones back then, people. <laughs> Let's just remember that. So connecting with your home cost you a lot of money. You had to go – let's just paint a picture for those people that – have not lived or traveled in the time pre-iPhone, you had to get these like call cards and you had to put money on them and it costs like literally $10 a minute pretty much to make a phone call. Like it was so expensive plus the exchange rate. So back then the Aussie dollar was worth like half, which I think it is now anyway. But anyway, it was shit back then. It definitely wasn't at parity. He lost a lot of money going to Europe. So 21, all my money was gone. So I had these call cards and I think I had <laughs> saved up enough money to call home maybe three times. So, yeah, like when you wanted to call home, you had to make sure that A, that conversation was a good one and B, it was short and C, like you knew you were calling at the right time. Like you didn't want to have an emergency call you had to make, you know, in a, a week's time. And anyway, so... I called my dad. We'd gotten, we'd been on a pub crawl. I can't remember. I feel like we're in Berlin. I was very drunk most of Europe. I'm not going to deny that. I'm not going to tell this podcast that I haven't partied and I haven't done dumb shit. I've done all of that. We can 
by all means, please ask me about it. <laughs> I've got some stories. I was young. I was young once and I enjoyed being young. I partied. I loved it. We had so much fun. And yeah, so I called my dad from the hotel while we, from like one of the payphones. But the funniest thing was, obviously because of the time difference, but the payphone queue was huge. And it was like 5 a.m. Oh, no, nah, maybe it was like, it's probably more like 3 a.m., 3.30. So anyway, calling dad trashed. <laughs> my poor dad. Happy birthday! Like, just look, I think I held up my end of the conversation okay. He never mentioned that I didn't. So, I'm sure I got the message about the birthday and the Father's Day thing across really, really well. <laughs> I came home like within a week of that. He never said anything. I think he appreciated that I called. Um, yeah, it was good. But I carried that for a long time the fact that I had been not there for his last birthday and his last father's day and interestingly enough it was a huge trigger for me going through that again last year with my ex's dad because my ex didn't invite me to his birthday even though we were still definitely together I just moved out to give him the space that he'd asked for and I didn't get invited to this birthday. And I was like, wow. Because I was like, you know that this is probably your dad's last birthday. He's already been given a lot more time than they ever thought that he was. And I'd always expressed to my ex that I'd regretted not being there for his birthday because when his dad was diagnosed, I made sure we did not miss and we had no plans for any of his dad's birthdays. To the point we flew home from Melbourne one weekend at like... 6am in the morning to make sure we were back for a birthday lunch for his dad because I was like we cannot miss it like you don't understand what it's like having that regret and it was a massive trigger for me I was like wow I cried and cried and cried I was like wow he knew what it meant to me to miss my own dad's last birthday and he is perfectly fine to make sure I don't see his dad on his last birthday or potential last birthday and yeah, it was like, it was very triggering. I obviously hadn't done any of the work I've done now at that point. So it was still fresh and I was bawling to a friend about it. And it was, yeah, I was just in a state. And then I ended up missing his Father's Day too. Maybe he'd already passed by Father's Day. No, he was still with us in Father's Day. And at that stage, my ex had moved out to look after him. And he once, he just ghosted me and wouldn't even tell me how his dad was doing or anything. Uh, and yeah, no, no invite to Father's Day either. So I missed my father-in-law who he'd been my father-in-law for nine, 10 years. Uh, not officially father-in-law, but he'd been a father figure in my life for 10 years. And yeah, the two days that my ex had known had meant so much to me once again had been held against me for these days as well. It was, it was triggering. The Father's Day thing was a lot less triggering because I'd done a lot of work and I knew that there was no point having regrets about that and I knew I couldn't change the situation I was in. But the thing about all of these regrets is you can have them, but they're not, they're really not serving you. And I know even with the relationship and things, there were so many questions I had. What if I'd done this? What if I'd done that? And I realized very quickly from the work that I've been doing that it actually wouldn't have mattered 
what I'd done because there was no one on the other side to put in the same amount of effort for starters. And I had literally done everything I could possibly do. I had shown up my best self as I knew myself at that point. And I tried to figure things out. I'd had the conversations I needed to have. I tried everything I could possibly do. And it was the same, you know, my dad wouldn't have been angry that I wasn't there for his birthday or Father's Day because I was doing what I loved. And he was a huge traveler and he'd helped me plan the trip. And I was going to some of the places that he loved the most as well. So I think it's very normal to have these regrets and think, oh, God, I miss that or, like, I miss Christmas thing with my grandma or, you know, I, I didn't do this or I didn't do that. It's very normal to have those responses, but we can't get bogged down in them and we can't let them sit heavy because they will have an impact on us that's not helpful to our healing and our process of moving through the grief. It actually just heightens it and makes it so much worse and it won't help you. As I said, it's it's just pain for the sake of putting more pain on yourself. You're already going through enough. Don't think about the what ifs and the what what if I'd done this and what if I you know, what if I'd been there for this and especially I think if a death is sudden, you think, well what if I'd been there to, you know, call an ambulance or what if I'd done that? But you can't because you weren't. And it's just not the reality. And the truth is, depending on what you believe, maybe everyone has a time. Maybe we can't, everything is, I don't know. It depends what you believe. And I'm not, as I said, I'm not here to tell you what to believe or what it is, but I think I'm a believer that things do happen the way they're meant to happen. And unfortunately, sometimes these tragedies strike, but for us, we just need to take the lessons and almost every single person I've spoken to that's lost someone that has really, really, it's had an impact on their life, whether it be their grandparents, their parents, a friend, whoever it is, or whether it is they've gone through loss in the, f- the fact of a really bad relationship breakup or whatever it may be, even the death of an animal, these moments for people, a lot of the time, a catalyst moments for change. Like this is the moment they had to have in their life to go, what the fuck am I doing? The amount of people you talk to that have started their company after losing a parent or changed jobs, changed careers, reflected on their entire life and made moves to better it. It's amazing. I I literally met this amazing woman at a uh, networking event, actually business chicks with Grace Tame. She was sitting next to me and we ended up getting in a long conversation. She'd lost her girlfriend and it had been such an impact on her life that she was like, I need to live my life better and I need to find myself more. She had a breakdown. Don't get me wrong. She went through this. Sh- she went through shit before she was able to pick herself back up and make these moves that she needed to make for her life. And the tragic loss of her friend, which you can never take away from the tragedy of a loss or the sadness of a loss or that grief period that you have to go through. But so many people use that as a catalyst to change, to pick themselves back up and say, well, fuck that. I want to know that when I die, I lived my fullest life because either they've seen someone do it or they've seen the opposite and seen someone kind of, they've gone, shit, man, you had all this 
all this amazing ability and you couldn't deliver or you didn't want to deliver or you just saw what they could have been. Not that I've been in that situation, but I'm sure people have. But really it's about don't don't let regrets about things that you could have done, should have done, would have done hold you back from going through the grieving period and seeing these amazing lessons that exist in ourselves as to how we want to live our lives better. And grief allows us to really have time for that pause and reflection and the growth that naturally occurs after it. So I hope that's been helpful and I hope that if you are moving through a period of grief, you're able to see some light that you're able to feel not so heavy all the time and not feel so alone because I promise you you're not. There are things that will help you seek help if you need it, meditate, journal. Everything on paper is better than in your brain because on paper you can make sense of the way that you're feeling, you can make sense of your reality and even if you only have a, a sentence to write, That one sentence could change your life and change your perspective. As always, please connect with me. Reach out to me. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear your feedback. And I hope that this is helping you. You can find me at Beck underscore Chapel on Insta. Beck Chapel on Facebook. No, that's a lie. It's Chapel Beck on Facebook. (laughs) But you can find me at those places and send me a message, reach out, follow my journey. And I'll follow yours. And I hope that you have a really great week.